Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Leo Mecklem, KCBS Foodie Chap at Gibson in San Francisco. Chef Robin Song. Chef, good to see you. How are you? Good. How's it going? Great. What are we drinking? Uh, Agripart Champagne. Yeah, because that's what we love to do here. Champagne. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Yeah, always. Cheers. Always. Salute. Mmm. Wow. Gibson. A young restaurant uh, in a in a changing neighborhood, uh, a block or so from Powell on Mason, uh, the Tenderloin. Uh, to be in this neighborhood, firstly, uh, what, what what's it what's it like to be here? To have to be in the belly belly of the beast, if you will, here <laughs> it, in the this city. This is true. It is the belly of the beast. Um, it's a quite an interesting neighborhood because there's just so much going on. Yeah, you know, um, and it's evolving. And it's shifting, it's changing. Yeah, it's constant evolve. There's construction everywhere. There's new businesses coming up constantly. Um, and it's interesting because we are so centralized. You know, the tension line is literally like in the middle of everything. Yeah. And it's kind of been untouched. And the joyful part is new businesses are coming in. Mm-hmm. This is a part of the city uh, that didn't get a lot of love for many years, but now it is. New right. bars new restaurants, hotels. Uh, this is now a place that people want to come and they want to be. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as restaurants and, you know, this industry evolves and grows with the city, we need to find new outlets to provide great experiences. Yeah. And going into areas like the Tenderloin and Chinatown and these kind of untouched neighborhoods is, I think, the future of San Francisco. Yeah. And hopefully we'll get, bring better change to the neighborhood, yeah. right? Uplift the neighborhood. Let's drink to that. Yeah, cheers. Oh, that's another excuse to have a little drink. <laughs> Chef, let's go back in time uh, and talk about your upbringing, Southern California, Los Angeles. Who was cooking at home? What was coming out of the kitchen when you were growing up? Yeah, um, you know, Korean-American, uh, first generation born here in the States, and was... Mom and dad worked pretty much constantly, and grandma was there. Um, she raised me for the most part. And she was, grew up on a farm in uh, South Korea in a small farming town called Jeonju, which actually is like a kind of notoriously known for food in general. So the bibimbap originates from that region. Sure. And so she was a farmer there, and she was very scrappy, worked hard, loved to work. And so she always cooked these extravagant meals and prepped cases of kimchi on the weekend. We'd go foraging in the woods for bracken, um, come and use pine needles to use for steaming beds. Um, and to me, I thought it was just something that people do. You know, I didn't understand what that meant. And, you know, Grandma loved to disappear, do some foraging. When she would go foraging... Uh, in your backyard, what would she go out and come back with? Um, in our backyard, mostly, you know, we had a lot of shrubs and plants, but at home, the biggest thing that she used were pine needles. Yeah. Um, that was the most thing. She also was amazing at 
shucking shellfish. So she used to, I guess, go and harvest shellfish at some point. Not the like free divers of the peninsula, but um, she was very scrappy. And then we would go to Big Bear Mountain sure. um, and into the National Forest. And she would find um, ferns for sure. us to pickle. Yeah. And we'd take the whole family. We'd go up there, come back with trash bags full of ferns. Did uh, you enjoy those adventures as a kid? They were so much fun. Yeah. And I didn't even know exactly what we were doing. We were just going around picking <laughs> things off the ground. Um, and then we'd go home, and then she'd start steaming and cooking and marinating. And then I still never really put it all together. Sure. Um, until understanding that Mother Earth provides a lot of great food. Yeah. Well, listen, one thing I love about your philosophy, we always hear so much about the whole beast, the nose-to-tail chef, uh, but you feel the same way when it comes to vegetables. Use it all. Yeah. Don't leave anything of behind. Course. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about an industry that uh, is very hard and expensive to operate. And, you know, food takes a lot of time and energy <clears throat> to grow, yeah. and it takes a lot of hands to pick and bring it to the restaurant. Sure. And so... I find a lot of value in that. Yeah. And it's, it's hard for me to say that I'm spending X number of dollars on people's hard work and then throw it in the garbage. Sure. So the theory is that if we spend money on it and it's edible, we figure out how to use it. Even if it's just flavoring something, yeah. um, it's important to us. Yeah. Um, Pop it in the blender, make a puree, whatever yeah. you want to do. Dehydrate it for seasoning, puree it. Uh, use it for curing. Use it um, for stocks, juices, right? Um, everything. And then we even go as far as to do a lot of fermentation and preservation in house. Yeah. And so we even use, go as far as using the brine afterwards in the bar or in a sauce or in a dressing. So literally everything. Huh. And waste nothing. Yeah, waste nothing. <laughs> uh, your resume is impressive. You worked at a lot of places. Of all the places you worked. Who was your biggest mentor? Boy, um, I'd probably have to say the entire team at Beowulf when I first started cooking. Um, in Oakland? In Oakland, which is no longer with us after about, I think, 50 years they shuttered, um, which is a feat of itself, yeah. uh, especially if you think back that far, um, what... San Francisco and what food was and what cooking was to kind of maintain themselves for that long is amazing. Um, But their philosophy on cooking, uh, flavors, hospitality, uh, providing experience, um, and then understanding not just how to cook, but the history of food. And that was, that's what really stuck with me. Yeah. Uh, What I love also about looking at your resume, the different restaurants you've worked, but also... Uh, the different cuisines that you've dabbled with uh, in my neighborhood, Noe Valley, Contigo, uh, northern Spain, cuisine, mm-hmm. Catalan, Barcelona. Uh, what was the takeaway from your time there at Contigo? Um, you know, I tend to find, or I hope to find, restaurants that kind of share philosophies. Yeah. And North African or Spanish or Catalan cuisine, to me, of the Mediterranean was one of my favorites for flavor, um, culture, and just style of dining. Sure. Um, and so when I heard of Contigo uh, and what they wanted to provide, 
it was a really exciting opportunity I felt yeah and I, I love it it's spicy it's easy to eat easy to share small bites you don't have to commit to large baked potatoes and steaks right sure. um, you could go there for a snack and a glass of wine or you could have a really good meal too so. and you know breaking bread mm-hmm. gathering friends uh, the whole spirit of a conviviality sitting around a table and sharing what's uh, what's offered right. uh, is the way most families do things and that's a philosophy embraced by Contigo I know that's a philosophy uh, you embrace here at Gibson as well yeah, yeah I, I you know what what I say about Gibson is we want to give a top-notch experience yep. um, for me personally I didn't I'm not that excited to go out and have a three-hour meal and get bombarded with service. And so, but I love the food in those environments. Yeah. So we always say, okay, how can we take a three-hour meal of hot cuisine and compact into an hour and a half? How do we remove what I consider the bullshit part of the experience? Sure. Excuse my language. Yeah, um, and really make it about enjoying each other. Yeah. And a part of that was about kind of forcing people to enjoy food with their hands yeah. and getting dirty and really breaking bread, as he said. And breaking bread, a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Not just what you share, but the type of bread. Mm-hmm. When in San Francisco, what is any meal without some <laughs> San Francisco sourdough? Right. Uh, you have your own starter. Uh, how was that? How was, how was it for you finding the right, uh, the, the right secret sauce, if you will, <laughs> uh, for your bread? Um, man, that's a loaded question. Uh, I am no baker by any means, and I have a dozen peers that are probably leaps and bounds better bakers than I could be. Um, but they're all great friends and resources. Yeah. And, you know, I used to bake bread at home for fun, just, you know, to say that I bake bread. Yeah. Uh, taking it to a level where we're doing, you know, 10 to 12 kilos of flour worth of bread. Yeah. A day sure. was a completely different animal. I, it took me months to figure yeah. out how to make the bread here. Um, and it's really about the wheat. Um, we're fortunate yeah. to have some amazing wheat producers. Yeah. And the central milling is where we use all of our, get, source our wheat from. And they kind of helped me figure out the secret formula for Gibson's bread. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so if you're going to break bread, you've got to have the, the Gibson sourdough bread. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what we do is they're freshly baked out of the wood oven yeah. to order throughout the night. Um, they're small rolls per guest. Every guest can have their own roll, and we serve it with no silverware and a variety of spreads. So you're kind of forced to kind of get in there and get dirty. Sign me up. I can't <laughs> wait. Uh, Chef, we were just in the kitchen, put a little dish together. Uh, I love your wood fire uh, grill oven that you have right there uh, using almond wood. Tell me about this dish we put together. Cod and vegetables. Yeah, it's... I like to state food pretty simply. And I think, you know, I, I want there to be the notion of access when it's read. Yeah. Um, and hopefully some surprise when it's delivered. Yeah. And this is quintessential of that. It's grilled black cod with spring vegetables. Yeah. And this time of year... Always, there's always an abundance of greenery that comes through the kitchens that doesn't have a home. And so how do we create a dish that enforces a home for all this greenage? Sure. 
and this is that dish. It's an evolving dish that changes as the seasons change, and it's whatever my farmers bring to me. Uh, turnips, asparagus, fennel, radishes, peas, onions. Um, if, it's, if it's here in the kitchen, we'll use it. If it's not, it's not, and that's okay. Sure. Um, fresh herbs, flowers, fava beans, w- whatever. It doesn't matter. If it makes sense for the season, it goes in the dish. And then all the trim of that uh, we utilize as a juice, and we fortify it with a smick, smoked cod bone stock. Mm-hmm. So it's fishy, earthy, green, um, and then steep it in some fresh herbs. Oh. Yeah. My mouth's water. <laughs> what is that dish? Where did it go? <laughs> uh, chef, uh, if folks want to come and enjoy uh, dinner here, you're open how many days a week? Uh, Monday through Saturday. Yeah. Uh, we open at 5.30 currently. Well, you get a day off? I know. We've, I forced it. I forced it. Um, we need a... We need a, Everyone needs their own time, you know? Sure. So we we enforce that here. Um, and I know that you have a passion outside the kitchen. You have a 15-month-old daughter. Yes. Uh, tell me about that new bundle of joy in your life. Boy, that... The, <laughs> the eye-opening journey of fatherhood, which was completely... I never expected. Um, and but your wife expected because she was expecting Well, that. yeah, she was been expecting <laughs> and harassing me for nine months. No. Um, amazing to see something you created, not just food and experiences, but a person... And see that grow yeah. um, really changes perspective on life. Sure. And um, she's been amazing. Um, forces me to try to be you know, a better person, sure. which is good. Sometimes <laughs> it's needed. Well done. <laughs> uh, and you'll get her in the kitchen soon enough, right? Is, ah. she, is, she, is she sticking her finger in things yet? Yeah. Oh, geez. She <laughs> mixes her food. She plays with food. Um, she's been here since construction. So I used to bring her around when she was four months old. And she, you know... She was a part, big part of this. She went yeah. to all my meetings. Um, it was great because she had a one-hour timer. Mm-hmm. And so I would take her to meetings, and there was a forced end to the meetings, which is kind of great. Well done. <laughs> so what you're saying is I need, I need to get a baby. Uh, and with that comes a timer so I can get out of meetings on time. Right. I'll never be late again, <laughs> Chef. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, I have to thank you and the team at Gibson. You're, you're, you're so incredibly generous. Uh, when it comes to giving back to community, as as most chefs are, always on the front line. Uh, the recent fires in Napa, Sonoma, it was the chefs who stepped up first to give. Uh, so just this past weekend, we auctioned off a dinner with me and Juanita Moore, the legendary Juanita Moore, uh, a dinner. Uh, you're the chef. Apparently, it's happening at my house. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> that's the word. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, we're... I mean, chefs are only created by the communities, and I would be nowhere without my people here in San Francisco, right? Um, And we love providing experiences and giving, um, but at work, we have to do it for business. So being able to do that outside of work in a true fashion of hospitality, it's... That is the moment that brought joy into what I do. Sure. You put your head down and cut food and put it on a plate and don't have that connection with your guests, yeah. it loses something. And so bridging that gap and giving and being a part of the community has been truly important. Well, thank you for sharing your passion. Uh, your passion shows up on every plate you put on the table. 
uh, folks at home, if you've not been to Gibson, do yourself a favor. Uh, 111 Mason Street. If you're getting Bart, hop off from Powell, a uh, couple of blocks up the street. Uh, follow your nose. It'll lead you to the good food because it's right here. Great to hang with you, my friend. Cheers. Cheers. One more time. Mm. It's Bubbles O'Clock. You know, uh, yeah. it's that time, isn't it? It's Bubbles O'Clock. <laughs> uh, folks, a great chef doing great things at a great new restaurant. Gibson on Mason Street in San Francisco. More on Chef Robin Song's story at kcbsradio.com. Oh, and click on Foodie Champ. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.